0: What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Okay, Um, a couple things that I want to just go over. There's a guy named John Gill who was a famous Puritan preacher. Uh, He preached to his congregation 122 sermons on the book of Song of Songs. This is an eight-chapter book, by the way, okay? A hundred and twenty-two sermons. Charles Spurgeon preached 59 sermons. Fifty-nine sermons in an eight-chapter book. And then you have Bernard of Clairvaux. Say Clairvaux. It's Target. No, it's Target. Bernard of Clairvaux... He was around 1090 to 1153. He preached 86 sermons on chapter 1 and 2 alone. 86 of them. So listen, guys, why do I tell you that? Please leave me alone. <laughs> we're <all, laughs> we're, we're going to go through this. It might be a little slower than you want. So today we're going to talk about kissing. And we're just going to stay there, baby. So this is going to be an hour-long make-out session, and that's all we're going to do. One rabbi said, all the scriptures indeed are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. Why would he say that? Well, it's because I believe the picture of Song of Songs is Jesus and his bride and how he loves her. Now, verse 1, it talks about the song of songs, which is whose? Solomon's. So, yes, Solomon wrote it, but what does Scripture say? The Holy Spirit moved on people as they wrote the Bible, right? 2 Timothy 316, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. And we believe that the Bible is the word of God, that God spoke through fallible men what God wanted to write. And guess what? Solomon was very fallible. And so sometimes when I've preached this book to people, they got offended right away because We are not going through it like they think we should go through it. What do I mean by that? Well, some people think that this is a book about marriage. This is a book about dating. And because maybe you've heard it like that, you think that, hey, that's how it should be preached. Uh, Maybe you think, hey, yeah, Solomon did write this. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't know if he did, man. So let me give you eight reasons why. I believe Song of Solomon did write it, by the way. I'm not arguing that, but it was the Holy Spirit, not Solomon. There's no way it could have been Solomon. We'll get into that. So first reason. So Jesus is he's on the heart. Of all that the Holy Spirit does. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't believe the Holy Spirit would write a book in the Bible without Jesus being the main topic. Jesus is everywhere from Genesis to Revelation, and all that he does, the Holy Spirit desires to capture our hearts for Jesus. And if you go through this book saying, Jesus, capture my heart, you're going to have a transformed life because he's going to do that. Jesus told us In John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit's job is not to promote the Holy Spirit. Some people might need to write that down. I hear a lot of Holy Spirit talk all the time. The Holy Spirit's job is to promote who? Jesus. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. But the Holy Spirit's role is to lift up Jesus just like Jesus was God, but he said, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father does, and I only say what the Father says. He was completely submitted to God the Father, and the Holy Spirit is completely submitted to Jesus as the Spirit of Christ is in you. You move, and you will exalt Jesus. When you lift up Jesus' name, he's going to draw him into himself. Second, Second reason why the Holy Spirit was speaking through Solomon, and this wasn't coming out of Solomon's wisdom. Jesus spoke of himself from all the scriptures to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he expounded the things concerning him from all the prophets beginning with Moses. I believe that all means all here. And I believe it was the Song of Songs. He was saying, hey, you see this bride and her groom, this king? Yeah, that's me. I love you, and when they were walking with him, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he opened up the scriptures? Yeah. Next one, three. The fact that the Bible speaks of God as the bridegroom and natural Israel as the bride is an abundant teaching throughout the whole Old Testament, and I list all of those references there. But let's look at this one here in Isaiah 54, 5. It says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife. Say, I'm a wife. Yeah, look at you. Deserted and grieved in spirit, a wife of youth when she's cast off, says your God. And so Old Testament saints would interpret this book the way we are going to interpret it, because they believed Israel was the bride of God collectively. Make sense? Next one. John the Baptist. It's a marriage supper of the Lamb. Next one, please. This is another reason why I believe this so strongly. Um, Solomon did not have... The ability to describe this kind of intimacy with a woman, right? Uh, I don't think he could have went to the depths of intimacy because of his lifestyle. Well, Chris, what do you mean by that? Yeah, First Kings eleven three had seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. He was a busy guy. I I don't think he could have plumbed the depths of what we're going to read here, especially in like chapter 8, anyway, 7, excuse me. We'll get there. Solomon was not a shepherd, number 8, like his father David was. Solomon was born in a palace. He was born in a palace. And so we're going to see in chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, is that uh, this guy is a shepherd. Well, who's the good shepherd in John 10? Jesus is. Solomon wasn't a shepherd. So again, this is why I just want to encourage you. And, and, and again, there's a great series by a guy named uh, Tommy Nelson who, who does Song of Solomon from a marriage perspective, and I think it's phenomenal. I highly encourage that. You, you listen to that. Denton Bible Church in Texas, Denton, Texas, Tommy Nelson. Phenomenal job. But this is how we're going to go through it. Here, bow down, and I just gave you eight reasons why, but here's the concern and the challenge for us as a church. Number one, we have to be careful in thinking the only valid insight into scripture is the one we're familiar with. That kind of pride causes division, and we're going to get more into that as we go through. So listen, worship Jesus throughout this book and don't get a wrong spirit towards others who disagree. Remember what we've been talking about when we, we did nine weeks on the series, I Will Build My Church. Like, if you disagree with the gifts, our job, Philippians 2.3, is to consider others as what? Better than ourselves. And so we cannot allow any division or divisiveness to enter over this book. Why? Because it's a song about love. No fight over the song. And so I don't want to come across dogmatic, like, hey, this is how you have to view this passage, but this is how I'm going to teach it. Does that make sense? You need to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me individually, but also corporately, as you journal through this book? Because sometimes God may speak to you about you, and I believe he's going to do that a lot. I pray he does that a lot. But other times, when do we wait for a word, not for us, but maybe for our brothers and sisters? This is is why, you know, when you look at Luke 4, 17, it says that Jesus, it was his custom to be at church On the Sabbath. That was his custom. So Jesus went as a custom every Saturday to church. Part of that was to worship the Lord. But the other part, which I don't know if our American church gets, is that we're also here for one another. I don't feel like it today. Well, what if you're supposed to be here? Because you're going to be in the back worshiping and the Holy Spirit highlights somebody and is leading you. I need to go pray for that person. But I'm a girl and it's a guy, so I don't want to do that. How can I bring another guy to pray with this guy? Because it's inappropriate for a girl to pray for a guy because that's intimate. Don't do that. Jesus sent them out in twos, by the way. There's a verse for you. Some of you don't like that. I don't want to get in misogyny. Okay, no more jokes, 11 o'clock. Verse 2, we are moving so fast right now. Can you feel it? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Wives, when's the last time you said that to your man? (laughs) Anyway. Guys, we need that. You know, guys issue from the beginning in the garden. Guys are passive. Sometimes we need to, we need to call. Hey, I still like you after all these years. Come here, big boy. <laughs> Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. She loves him for him. And this is the cry that God would purify our heart and our motives so that we love God out of a pure heart for him. Notice what she doesn't say first. I need to be blessed with money. I I need more knowledge. I need another great sermon. I need a healing. I need a miracle. I need, no, no, no. She says, I want you to kiss me. This represents intimacy. I want to love you for you. I want to love you for you, not what you do for me. And so, listen, as we go through this, God, purify my love, right? Convict me, God, when I've kind of went after you for you, yeah, for you, but also for something else, too. We need that to go away completely, guys, that we would love Jesus for Jesus and not what he could do for us. Many believers right now in many churches across America are offended by God. And they're offended by God because of a gospel that was preached That basically said, God wants to change you. He wants to heal you. He wants to make your life better. He's going to fix everything. Well, that's partially true, unless you're the apostle Paul, who was knocked off a horse and was blinded by God, and then God sends him a prophet in Acts 9, verse 16, and says to the prophet, you're gonna, I must show Paul how much he's going to suffer for my namesake. If I don't preach a gospel that, that is pure and true and right, that things might not get better, they may actually get worse. I'm causing you to potentially be offended by God because I've made God to be an idol who gives us what we want. Amen. We can't do that. And I don't want to lie to you. Does he want to heal? Yeah, he wants to heal. But what if he doesn't? Is the cross enough? Is his love enough? What if he never changes your spouse? And you're like, this guy I married, God, is a Judas. And God says, I know. Isn't it awesome? Because you prayed, make me like you. And so I washed Judas's feet and died on the cross for Judas. Hallelujah. Go, girl. Well, wait a minute. That's not the Christianity I signed up for. Yeah, that's why you're here today, by the way. Welcome to Bow Down. (laughs) Idols need to go. And we've made God into our image and our likeness so that he does what we want him to do. He's become a genie in the bottle. And if we rub him the right way, When Jesus came, he offended all of Israel. Do you know why? They wanted him to overthrow Rome. That's what the Bible said was going to happen. The Messiah would overthrow Rome. And so they had a picture of a partial Jesus, but they didn't have the picture of the, the Psalm 22 Jesus, the Isaiah 53 Jesus, where he was a suffering servant first. They just wanted the Messiah that would rule and reign from Jerusalem. They were reading their Bibles wrong. They missed the Savior that would be crucified for the sins of the world. And they were offended at him because he did not do what they wanted as to overthrow Rome. His own family came outside of a house he was preaching on and said, Jesus, come on out. They felt like he was going crazy and talking mad. And he responds back by saying, who's my mother? Who's my brothers? It's those who do the will of God. His own family was offended by him. The disciples. Peter's like, you're not going to die. Like, bro, I've been walking with you for three years, Jesus. You're not going to die, man. I'm going to sit on your right. I want power. I want privilege. I want position, right? You remember the mom that came of the sons of thunder? Hey, can my two boys sit on your right and left? And he's like, they're going to drink the cup. You don't know what you're asking for. That's offensive. Jesus, you're not doing what we want you to do. You're not doing what we need you to do. And when it didn't go right, they all left him at the cross and they took off. Why? Because I want take over, Jesus. I want Jesus to come and crush my enemies under my feet so I can have a party. We want that Jesus. Even John the Baptist. And I want you to turn to Matthew eleven six, please. Keep your place in songs. Actually, you should probably just memorize that. You don't have to go back to it. So we're just doing one verse today. Kissy, kissy, kissy. So context here, John the Baptist, he saw the Holy Spirit come out of heaven in the form of a dove, land on Jesus. He heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son, whom i well pleased. I hear people talk a lot of times in the church that, man, if somebody has an encounter with Jesus, they're going to be changed forever. Let me just tell you, that is just not true. There was people that had encounters with Jesus. Look, Satan encountered God and he became Satan. So you better be careful about making comments like that, like, if you encounter Jesus, your life's never going to be the change. No, a lot of people get prideful because they encounter Jesus and think that they encounter Jesus because of their performance, and they sometimes end up worse. John the Baptist saw that. He encountered Jesus. He encountered all of Jerusalem coming to him in Judea, coming to him, being baptized, repentance, revival. All of Jerusalem Judea were coming to John the Baptist. I mean, man, this guy was doing his stuff, but then he gets arrested, thrown in jail, and what happens to his faith encounter? Jesus, are you the one, or should we look for another? And Jesus says this, in Matthew eleven six. six. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Do you worship Jesus? <laughs> As the one who offends. He wants to offend you. And your idolization of who you've made him out to be. So that not for offense sake. But to ask you this question, why are you following me? Some people ask Jesus into their hearts so that they can just get their sins forgiven. But the motive is to feel good about themselves. It's like a psychology of Jesus. Well, Chris, I thought the gospel, you get your sin. Yeah, you do get your sins forgiven. That's the reason for the cross, but... I'm coming at the motive right now. I'm coming at the kiss right now. And a lot of us have heard a gospel that was missing some parts. The gospel that says all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake. Rejoice and be glad. Great is your reward in heaven. And man, we don't want that Jesus. We want our own Jesus where everything gets better. We get the house, the the 2.5 kids, the two car garage. But when I look at the New Testament, the Jesus that these people were following, do you know all 12 of the disciples were martyred? They were martyred, except for John. He was, he, I think he died off on uh, Patmos. But anyway, they were all killed. And Paul says, he's like, we are the scum of the earth. We're homeless. We're beaten. And then he goes into 2 Corinthians 11. I was shipwrecked. on uh, Day and night, I've been, been in prison. I've been flogged. I've been, i just, I'm the scum of the earth. I've, I'm distressed. <sighs> well, we didn't sign up for that. They didn't tell me that if I came forward. Chris, can we get back to kissing? I mean, that sounds more fun. See, when things don't work out the way we expected God to perform and do what we wanted, we entered into a relationship with Jesus as a quid pro quo. You save me, but I expect this. You save me, but I'm still going to be Lord over this. Joseph had amazing dreams, but then he was in in prison for 17 years, sold into slavery by his brothers, forgotten. Forgotten. David was anointed king by Samuel, and then he lived in caves for about 15 years, and it was in that persecution that he wrote a lot of the Psalms. God was purifying his heart. Again, John the Baptist was in the wilderness for 30 years. He did ministry for six months, and then he got his head chopped off and put on a silver platter. And we sometimes say to God, God, I want your will to be done in my life. What if his will is your head on a platter? And so I just don't want us as a church to flippantly say things to the Lord. Because it's a religious spirit where we're just singing songs. And, and this is what God is doing. Listen, I, I want you to, to turn to, to Luke 15, please. Luke 15. Some of you are like, Chris, how are you getting kiss me? How are you getting this stuff with kiss me? Because there's a purity in the kiss. There's a purity in the kiss. You can only kiss one person at one time. You can talk to many people. I'm talking to you right now, but if I was to, you know, if my wife was here, she's not at this service. But if I'm kissing her, I can't kiss anybody else. There is an intimacy with the kiss. And a lot of us are kissing Jesus, but we have our eyes on other things that we're kissing and we're wanting and we're expecting, and all that needs to be stripped away. We don't want people walking offended because God didn't do what the guy preaching said he was going to do. He wants you healthy, holy, well, and blessed and highly favored. Well, what happens to Paul as his life got considerably worse and worse and worse, and he died as a martyr, and he ended up in jail, 2 Timothy 4, and nobody was with him. It's, he says, Luke alone is with me. Everybody else deserted me. Is that success to you? That everybody's going to leave me? And he was alone at the end. Luke fifteen, twenty, and he arose and he came to his father, but while he's still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe the, and, and, and a ring and shoes and a fattened calf and, and kill it. Hey, God's not vegan. And, and let us eat and celebrate. And so often in this story, we want the robe and the ring and the shoes and we want eating and we want to celebrate him because, man, this is kingdom, this is kingdom, this is kingdom. And yes, it is kingdom. It is what it means to live in the Father's house. But sometimes we move past kissing. Do you know in the Greek, this kissing From the father was a continuous thing that he kept on kissing. He kept on kissing and the motive was pure. The motive was love. Yeah, the gifts came later, but his heart was the compassion and the love embrace. He loved the son for the son. He doesn't even let the son repent all the way. He's kissing him. And so here in chapter one, she is saying, kiss me kiss me. She's saying, I want you, and I want more of you, and I want intimacy with you. This is her supreme request. More than power, promise, earthly comforts, I want you. I want you. I want your breath on my lips. She doesn't initiate the kiss, but in humility, she asks for it. Sometimes it's easier for us to initiate rather than ask for it. And she humbles herself and she says, kiss me. See, when you say that, you're open for rejection. And she opens herself up because she wants him. You're face to face with your lover. Eyes locked, eyes open. I want you to turn to, to Numbers chapter 12, please. Numbers chapter 12. This is a, a passage where uh, Miriam and Aaron, they were hating on Moses because uh, Moses married um, somebody from another ethnicity, okay? And um, from Cush, from Ethiopia. So scholars believe that she was, she wasn't African-American, she was just African. I guess that wasn't funny either. Come on, 11. Um, And so they had issue with that because Moses went outside of Israel. And so they were being racist. And it's amazing to me how God, it's kind of funny, he turned them white with, with Her white with leprosy. Jeez, if you want to be, you know, anyway. Verse five, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent, and he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward, and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. Man, you want to highlight this. He is faithful in all my house. Can you say that as you look into the eyes of Christ? Man, this person is faithful in all my house. God, am I faithful in all your house here at Bow Down? And would you say that about me? And he said that about Moses. This guy's faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth. And you want to highlight that? Mouth to mouth? Yeah, there's that kiss. That's that mouth to mouth kiss. This is the type of intimacy. And sometimes we get polluted in how we see things, right? But Moses had this mouth to mouth intimacy with God. And I speak with him mouth to mouth. Another translation says, face to face, close, intimate. I speak to him clearly, not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. And why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Man, this is God's desire. Let me go, let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter two, please. Genesis chapter two. And so here we're staying on this kissing, we're staying on this mouth-to-mouth type of concept, and we're drilling down on this, all right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And so God kind of gave Adam mouth to mouth and Adam became alive through the power of the spirit. I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We see Jesus who is God after the resurrection breathing the Holy Spirit on the disciples before Jesus went to heaven because the Holy Spirit was not given yet. And so John chapter 20. By the way, I had somebody a long time ago praying for me, and they would just breathe on me, okay? And I'm I'm like, this is really irritating. If you do that, by the way, and you feel led, make sure you got a breath mint. Can I get a witness? Okay, just uh, if you're gonna if you're going to do the John 20, 21 and 22 to be like Jesus, throw a breath mint in there. <laughs> Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even, even so I'm sending you. And, he, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Wow, Jesus is breathing on them. So Genesis 2-7, John chapter 20, 21 and 22, we see the breath of God. This is mouth-to-mouth intimacy. There is a closeness that is here. Now I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Chris, why are you having us turn to so many places? Because I need you to see this. God wants to give you mouth-to-mouth resuscitation this morning. Through his word, through his breath. When was the last time you kissed the Word of God? Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is what breathed out. Wow. Genesis two seven, John twenty twenty one and twenty two, and now Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. It's God breathe. It's so profitable for teaching reproof, correction and training in righteousness so that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Everything God will call you to do for the rest of your life, the answer can be found in God's word. Do not disqualify yourself. I don't I've never been to this class. I've never took this training. Acts 4:13. The, peop- the religious leaders looked at Peter and John, and they realized they were uneducated fishermen, but they recognized they had been with Jesus. Jesus took the uneducated, and he said, go and make disciples. He started all of Christianity with guys that had been rejected from the seminary of the day becoming rabbis. He took the sea students like me, hallelujah, and he used them if you begin to elevate God's word and you kiss towards his word and you trust that everything that I will ever need, it's found in these 66 books. I want you to understand, get ready, get your seatbelt on. God is going to use you because you're honoring his word. Psalm 138, verse two, I have honored my word above my name. That's what God says. His word above his name. Yeah. His word above his name. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His word above his name. Yes, yeah, Psalm Is that in your heart? If it's not, then you're not kissing his word right. You're not honoring his word. And we want to be a place that honors his word. Let's go to Psalm 119.31, please. One of the longest chapters in the Bible. In my quiet time, when I've kind of drifted in my love for God's word This is my go-to passage, Psalms 119 and also Psalm 19, because both are really good about the Word of God. But there's just so many promises in Psalm 119. And so this helps me to get my mind right because God's word is perfect at reviving the soul. God's word is like a hammer breaking the rock. God's word is a fire shut up in my bones that I cannot keep silent. God's word, God's word. God spoke and said, let there be, and there was, right? And so God's word, Lazarus come out. God's word. Psalm 119. 131, I open my mouth and I pant because I long for your commandments. Is that the cry of your heart, disciple? Are you kissing towards his word? Are you kissing towards his breath? Is, your, is his breath on your breath? She was hungry for the deep things of God. She had a holy desire, and her holy desire, it it, it dominates her thoughts, it dominates her affection. And she cries out, and she says, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. I, I want your lips on my lips. I want your breath in my breath. And God says that just like Moses, he wants to speak mouth to mouth to us. That his word is his breath. Can you say that? I remember the first time I kissed my wife. Wow. She had a red shirt on. There was extreme excitement and anticipation, there was a fear. And after about a minute and a half, I was like, "Jesus, Jesus, I need you, through the Spirit, self-control, help me, help me." Anyway, you always need an accountability couple, pre-marriage people, and get a witness for that. You do need it. This kiss, this kiss, describes emotional and relational intimacy with Jesus that He wants to have with us. Guys, let me just tell you, through this series, it's going to be harder for you to read this because you're, dou- you're a dude, okay? Ladies, you, you, you got the advantage here because you can say to Jesus, kiss me, but it's a little different for us, some of us guys in here, okay? Let's go to Psalm 2. And the reason why we're going here is for the dudes in the house, But it's also for us as a church because there's a lot of judgments and a lot of accusations and a lot of spiritual pride that takes place in the body of Christ. And I want to make sure we're honoring one another in love. I want to make sure that as we have our own types of worship that we like, that we have a posture of love and affection for how God's made me, but also how God's made you. And the way I worship, you might not like that kind of worship. And the way, anyway, yeah, Psalm 2, 10. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise and be warned, O rulers of the earth. This is a messianic song speaking of Jesus, and it's about his return in Revelation 19, by the way, this is going to happen. Revelation 19. Serve the Lord with fear. And I want you to highlight that, please. Fear. And then it says rejoice. I want you to highlight rejoice as well with trembling. So there's a trembling. And then it says in verse 12, kiss the sun. That's Everybody. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Now, remember, this is Revelation 19. His wrath is going to be quickly kindled during this time. The time is out. People have been called to repentance. They wouldn't repent. So Psalm 2, his wrath is quickly kindled. And blessed are those who take refuge in him. So breaking down this passage, I believe there's three types of kissers here. And what type of kisser are you? Let's, let's find out. Some of us like to kiss with a fear and trembling. We tremble by seeing the eternal majesty and splendor of Jesus. He is the king and he is the judge. And boy, we better fear the Lord and we better tremble before him. He is majestic. He is holy. We love Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on his throne, the train of his robe, and it's just like, oh. And let me just say, part of my gifting is kind of prophet, and guess which one's going to be my favorite? It's that one. No jokey-jokey. No laughy-laughy. We are worshiping the Lord. This ain't a game. So, I've got to be careful of that. Now, rejoicing. Rejoicing. So, Sebastian, if you could play that one video. This was my son that was away at uh, YWAM. And this is. a bigger tent, don't we, guys? Can I get a... Re- <laughs> so, rejoicing. I don't know if I've ever thanked God for sunshine. Just saying. Jumping, dancing, rejoicing. How many like that? Yeah, yeah, come on, man. Let's go that. Crisscross will make you jump, jump. Anyway, um, so... Jesus. We, we realize when we read Psalm 103, he has so many benefits and we celebrate him for that. We realize in Romans chapter 8 where, man, nothing can separate us from his love. No angel, no demon, nothing. Like Everything's going to work together for good for those that love God. There's no condemnation. So, man, it is time to rejoice. Man, Ephesians, right? That we're adopted in the beloved. We're in his family. And that's happened before the foundation of the world. And we just want to we just want to rejoice in that. His grace is poured out. It's lavished upon us. Our trespasses are forgiven. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness? I just want to shout. I just want to jump. I just want to sing, right? So some of us like, yeah, bro, it's about time at bow down. <laughs> bow down. <laughs> what God, what kind of person would name a church bow down? The the fear and trembling guy. I need you in my life rejoicers. And then you have the kissers. Oh, the kissers. Smoochy smoochy. These are the people that are emotional and they're passionate, and when they sing the little cheer, I just love Jesus. <laughs> I've done that before. We got to laugh at one another. Because we're all unique. Our hearts are inflamed by his beauty. We rejoice in this emotional love. Oh, yeah. But here's the warning in all of that. And this is what we need to be careful of. And by the way, you need to write down, man, which one am I? Am I more of a trembling fear guy? Am I more of a rejoicer? Am I more of a, like, a, like a solitude guy, like a, like a kissing, get everybody out of my room? I don't want you around me. I just want to go live in the woods in a tent. You know, which one are you? And understand that's how God's made you, but don't look down on one another. Most people, most Christians, and also most churches, we focus on this one-sided relationship. Whether it be trembling in fear or rejoicing or or kissing, then there's other sides that get neglected. For example, some unbalanced holiness groups, all they do is tremble. And they never rejoice. They never kiss. And they can drift off into legalism. And a morbid approach to holiness, they have trembling down and they've got, he's a judge, but he's also a good dad that likes to play with his kids. And we can forget that. And we've got to be aware of that. Hey, good basketball players, they're good because they know what they can do, but also what they can't do. I'll never forget, six foot eight, Rosie was his name from Trinidad, and, and he would keep shooting threes, and my coach went up to him, if you shoot another three-pointer, in fact, if you shoot outside of this box in the paint, you're never going to play again. Stop shooting. You can't shoot. Don't do it again. Get in the paint and rebound the ball. Now, Dennis, you may think that's mean, but that's actually love, because we had other guys like me that could <laughs> shoot and if you can't shoot, don't. That's what made Dennis Rodman so great, because he knew his strengths and his weaknesses. Anyway, point number two, some unbalanced groups, which are very common today, especially in the more charismatic side of church, they focus on the rejoicing. Everything's a party. While neglecting, trembling, and kissing, they're tempted with carnality at times as they pursue a happy life in God. My flag wavers. Can I get a witness? My dancers, my hand raisers. Can I get a witness? Yeah. (sighs) And listen, we're good with that. You be who God made you to be. But here's where the you need the trembling in those that fear. Because some of us just jumping up and down all the time and we just want to jump and we just want to rejoice. And God is saying, hey, you've been tithing 10% for the last 10 years and I want to see your pocketbook jump to 20% tither. I just don't want to see you go through the motions on Sunday morning, hipping and hawing and, hawing and dancing, and, and nothing's changing here Monday through Friday, right? That, that, that God doesn't care how you jump on Sunday. It's how straight you walk on Monday. Come on now. So, so, so listen, man, we've got to honor one another. We've got to understand our weaknesses and our tendencies. And some groups, this third, the kissing group, they represent the monastics, right? They would go and they live in the desert for years. And they would want isolation, asceticism, and this life of union with God. Now, is that needed? Yeah. But we've got to be balanced, and we've got to honor one another. We can't allow division to happen in the body of Christ. And so what is your tendency? What is your tendency Some people got offended when I showed the video of hand raising. They didn't like that. I don't know if you were here, but there's a comedian, Tim Hawkins, and he was kind of like rock the baby, carry the TV, touchdown, high-five Jesus, heartburn, wash the window. He was doing all those things, and the purpose for me in my heart wasn't to mock. The purpose was to just say, hey, guys, everybody's got a different vibe. Everybody's got a different swag. Everybody's got a different way they worship God. And so let's not look at one another, oh, we don't raise hands here, or or, we don't want to do this here. Let's just honor one another, but also, also understand we're all different. God's made us different and unique. The last thing that I, I, I just want to say is, you know, people get offended when I bring this up. And, and again, don't please don't get offended. Just try to understand what I'm trying to say, but I don't know how else to say it. I meet people, and I pray with people, and I'm not thinking about anybody here today. In fact, I'm closing my eyes. But you pray with them, and... They'll say, Lord Jesus, like 30 times. And I, I just, I, I, because we're going after the pure kiss, pure heart, and we want to be against religion, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing, not against religion, a religious spirit, where we're just going through the motions back to where we started, right? Isaiah 58. These guys were singing, they were dancing, they were fasting, and God's like, no bueno, I'm not hearing any of that. And so imagine if you're talking to me after the service today. You're like, hey, Pastor Chris. I'm like, hey, Pastor Chris, can I talk to you, Pastor Chris? That was a great sermon today, Pastor Chris. But Pastor Chris, point number one, I didn't get it, Pastor Chris. Can you tell me that, Pastor Chris? Because I really want to know, Pastor Chris, so I can go home, Pastor Chris, and share it with my family, Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris. I'd be like, bro, you need to go find another church. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm joking. But it's just like, bro, you know God is a person. And we can get into spiritual language and we forget we're talking to God. When you say our father who art in heaven. And Jesus teaches us how to pray. How many more times does he say, Father? You got his attention. And so religious, listen, listen, and and this is why people get offended. Chris, people aren't going to be able to concentrate now. When they pray with you, they're going, oh, my gosh, don't let me say, Father God, don't let me say, Jesus, Lord, don't let me. Don't do that. What we want is pure kisses. We want pure affection. We don't want ritualistic stuff here. So here's the deal. Worship team, come on up. As we close out in worship, there's a couple of things that you need to just go before the Lord and just ask him. Is, it, were you worshiping Jesus, but he's like an idol Jesus because you were doing a quid pro quo with him? Are you offended by Jesus because he's not doing what you thought he would do? I just want to encourage you to let him be God. And don't put your idea of what he should do on him because you're running into idolatry. And how we worship and how we sing to God, how we adore him. Which one do you like more? The trembling and fear, the rejoicing, the kissing, you be you, but also you need to begin to enter into all things because, again, sometimes it's not time to rejoice because God is rending our hearts and He's purifying our kiss towards Him. Some of you have just been going through the motions with Jesus. And it's become dry and dull. And he's saying, I want something deeper. I want something more. And as she's crying out for passionate kisses, I want you to understand God wants to come and he kisses towards you. He loves you. You are the apple of his eyes. His passion is for you. So, we want God to purify us so that we just don't do spiritual things. But we're sincere and we're pure in heart. And we're worshiping Jesus for who He is. And if He doesn't do anything for me for the rest of my life, the cross is enough. The cross is enough. So Jesus, we humble ourselves before you and we kiss towards you. We kiss towards you. As we close and worship God, those that they're just gonna rejoice in your love. God, I pray for rejoicing, but I pray, God, for those that might need to tremble more or fear more. And we pray for those that maybe we're kissing other things. They just need to kiss you for you. I pray for a revival for your word, to your word. Your word is your breath, God. And may your word be on our breath as we lock eyes with you, as we are face-to-face with you, as we are mouth-to-mouth with you. We're speaking of things that we don't have a clue of what it means, but we just want to fall deeper in love with you, Jesus. We want to love you for you, not for what you can do for us. We want pure hearts, and you have promised, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We want a revival of love to happen in this church as we go through this book together. May you set our hearts on flame and burn away what does not belong so that it is only you in our eyes. It is only you on our breath. We need you, Jesus. Fall fresh and anew upon us, Holy Spirit of God, and just bring us into you. Bring us into your heart. Bring us into your love. Overwhelm us. Convince us, God, of your love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.